Good morning to everyone and happy Father's Day. Pastor had asked me to speak as he's away, and uh, my name is Al Finney, and uh, I have the privilege of working with an incredible uh, group of uh, junior high students and uh, also as senior citizens. It's a privilege just for me to be a part of this place. I was looking on the uh, internet for some different thoughts about Father's Day, and I'm going to read through these, and, and some of these you may say, wow, that was really good, and some of you may think, Al, you should have left that one out, but I'm going to read them anyway. A father's love. A father is respected because he gives his children leadership, appreciated because he gives his children care, valued because he gives his children time, loved because he gives his children one thing they treasure most, himself. It is a wise father who knows his child, but maybe it's even very wise child who takes time to know his father. Charles Wadsworth said this, by the time a man realizes that maybe his father was right, he usually has a son who thinks he's wrong. I cannot think of any need in childhood as strong as a need for a father's protection. And Ged said, any man can be a father, but it takes someone special to be a dad. Clarence Kellen said this, my father didn't tell me how to live, he lived, and let me watch him do it. Lafcadio Hearn said this, no man can possibly know what life means, what the world means, until he has a child and loves it, and then the whole universe changes, and nothing will ever again seem exactly as it seemed before. Colossians chapter 3 verse 21 says, fathers, don't aggravate your children. If you do, they will become discouraged and quit trying. And Bill Cosby, as only Bill Cosby could do, said this. A new father quickly learns that his child is invariably, or his child invariably comes to the bathroom at precisely the times when he's in there, as if he needed company. The only way for his father to be certain of bathroom privacy is to shave at the gas station. Isn't it amazing? For all you dads, thanks for being a dad. We're going to read from Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 through 13 this morning. It's something that many of us have, have said in, in different settings, and you've used it as a prayer, you, you've prayed it, you've said it, you've read it, you've thought about it. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 through 13, we read the following. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Oftentimes, we tend to place on God characteristics we have seen in our own dads. Sometimes that's a good thing, and sometimes that's not such a good thing. It all depends on what your home was like growing up. Sometimes we will see God the Father as being overbearing because of our own experiences. But we forget that God is one who desires to undergird, to be there for us at all times. Sometimes we are not fully able to trust God the Father because of a lot of broken promises that we experienced. 
But God is completely trustworthy. In fact, he tells us this, trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. He'll always be there for you. Sometimes we think that God is detached. He's distant and not really that concerned because of something we experience. But we have to be reminded that God is very interested. In fact, God is more interested in your life than you are. After all, he fashioned it. After all, he knows you better than you'll ever know yourself. After all, he loves you like none other. And sometimes we think that God is simply a God based on performance. He applauds us when we succeed and he gets frustrated when we fail. And he's just simply after our performance, how well we can do. You know what's amazing? The book of Psalms, God tells us that we are just like dust. If I had dust in my hand and I went outside in the wind, what would happen to it? <laughs> Easily blow away, wouldn't it? God knows exactly what I'm like. We forget that God's all about dependence and faith. He tells us without faith it's impossible to please Him. He wants us to fully depend on Him. When I was probably in sixth grade, I was on a little league team. I wasn't the greatest ball player in the world, but I, I got to play anyway. Our team never got any trophies. In those days, you either, if you won everything, you got a trophy. If you didn't win anything, you didn't even know when the banquet was. But there was a day that uh, we were playing. I'll never forget the field. It was in Central and Elizabeth Township and up on the hill there. And uh, my coach said, Al, you're not going to play second. You're going to play right field. He said, you better do good. He put me in right field. Folks, I'm not going to go into details, but I felt like there was a, a ball machine and balls were just flying out all over the place. Now, I know only one was coming at a time, but in my memory, it was like three and four at a time, and I was just running around. I had seven airs that game. At the end of the game, the coach sat us all down on the bench, and he said, guys, he said, we lost tonight. And he said, we all know why we lost tonight, don't we? And I thought, don't do it, you know? You want to sort of hide under the bench, you know, hit me with a ball bat, put me out of my misery. And the coach said, Al had seven airs. He said, if that was hits, we'd call it a success. But airs, he lost a game for us by himself. Now, guys, my friend was a son of his, the coach, so I wasn't against him. I knew he was frustrated. He didn't know what to do. You know, he probably felt like it was like a comedy routine out there. Well, we got in the car, and uh, my dad said, what did the coach say? Because he saw that. I mean, the coach was, you know, losing his mind. I said, Dad, he said, the, the coach said that uh, we lost a game tonight because of me. I had seven errors. My dad said, what did you expect him to say? I don't know. I mean, bad job, Al? Don't ever come back on my team, you know, uh, get a life. I don't know. And then all of a sudden, my dad said, anyone for ice cream? I thought, Dad, as long as we don't have to go to where other people will see me that saw the game. My dad never brought that up again. Oftentimes, we view God as so concerned about our performance that he doesn't give us a chance to continue to live.
The Father's love is pretty amazing. John chapter 3, verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. You know, his love is unconditional, no strings attached. So many times our love on our children today, although we say it's unconditional, sometimes there are some conditions placed upon it. Not because we want it to be that way, just because we are sinners, saved by grace. It's unequaled. I will never be able to match God's love for my daughter. He loves her so much more than I ever will. And it's unending. Amazing. Well, you may be a, a father here today. You're a dad. I want you to take advantage of some things God has for you. Maybe you're a grandfather, and sometimes grandfathers are the best dads in the world because they have a little bit more time. As a dad, you're like living life to the fullest in the terms of no instruction manual for the children. All you're doing is gone. Everything's passing so quickly. Grandfathers sometimes have the ability to slow the pace down a little bit. You could always be like a uh, commander that was on our ship when I was in the Navy station in the Philippines. He was part of the admiral's unit. Can't remember his name, but I'll never forget the story. I was uh, assigned to be a duty driver. My duty officer didn't really like Christianity too much. And I was a young Christian, and he said this. He said, Al, actually he didn't call me Al, he called me Finney. He said, I will allow your days on duty to be a living nightmare. And let's see if God can figure it out. So I'll never forget going into uh, Subic Naval Base on a Friday night. And uh, we had one guy on the ship who was going to be sent to the brig. And they called me because it was my duty day, and I was going to have to drive them to the brig. I got on the uh, area, the quarter deck of the ship, where you go to go down onto shore, and I said, what vehicle should I use? And they pointed to a truck. And I said, is that a standard? Is that a manual shift? And they said, yes. I said, I don't know how to drive it. They said, it doesn't matter. You have to. I got in that truck with this guy who's going to the brig. Now, he wasn't like, he had just done something crazy on the ship, so he had to go to the brig, but he wasn't in handcuffs or anything. We got in the truck, and I said to him, I said, Scooby, that was his nickname. I said, do you know how to drive a manual? He said, sure. Why? I said, I don't. I said, can you teach me? I said, what do I do? So he told me what to do, and uh, we got to the brig. It wasn't pretty. We were doing this. It was like I went from first to second and got to the brig, dropped him off, then I had to ride back to the ship by myself, and it was even worse. MPs followed me the whole way back to the ship. I thought, just pull me over and, you know, drive the truck back. They didn't. They followed me back, saw me get out, go to the ship, didn't do anything. Well, several days later, I had duty again. They called me and said I had to take a group of men out to the, the main gate on the base. There are eight of them in the back of this pickup truck. And a commander from the admiral's staff had to go somewhere. Ad, or the commander got in the front seat with me. The guys were on the back of the truck. In those days, you know, it was okay to do that uh, before we realized when bodies fly out of a truck, uh, it's not the safest thing. But they're in the back of the truck, and uh, 
we, we are going along not pretty. The guys in the back were beating on the window saying, Finney, cut it up, you know, because we're doing this. And we took a wrong turn, started to go up a hill. Now I've got to turn around. I started to turn around, and we almost went off a cliff. I fortunately got on the brake, got the clutch in, and the commander looked at me and he said, Finney, I want you to put it in neutral, put on the emergency brake. And he said, have you ever driven a manual before? I said, sir, the other night when I took somebody to the brake and it wasn't good. <laughs> he said, how old are you? I said, I'm 19. He said, 19. He said, my son's 18. He said, wonder what somebody would do for my son if he was in a situation like this. He said, let's switch places. He said, I'll get these guys to where they need to be, and what I had to do isn't that important. As we're driving along, actually, he was driving. I was sitting, uh, you know, trembling. <laughs> he said this. He said, you know what? He said, how about if we have some driving lessons tonight? For the next hour and a half, I drove. He told me what to do around that base. He said, you know, he said, I'm a dad. And I guess you just needed a dad tonight. We got back to the ship, and he said this, and I'll never forget it. He said, now remember, when we get on the ship, I'm not your dad. <laughs> but isn't that amazing? You have the opportunity to be a dad to somebody who, who needs one in a tough spot. Or you could be like Daddy Rabon. Started the orphanage where my wife grew up. This crushes me because... I always view, because of that man, I have the family I have today. But he loved 300 kids at a time when she was there. Through the years, thousands. And do you know what's amazing? They all called him dad. Our Father in heaven is compassionate. Have you ever heard someone say, if, if I were God what they would do, and maybe you've thought the same thing. We tend to view God from a limited perspective. And we tend to think that if we were God, we would do things differently. But remember, he's compassionate, and usually we're not. And thank God we are not God, because you can only imagine what would take place sometimes, especially when somebody cuts you off, getting down onto 88, or especially when you were just ready to move over to a line and... Somebody moved ahead of you. And the Bible tells us that God's mercy endures forever. Let's read Psalm chapter 103, verse 13 together. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. It's not deserved. His grace makes it possible. We don't deserve his compassion. What gave us the right to receive it? It's because of his grace. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And I view this verse as oftentimes we do the fishing routine. We, we cast out and we wait a little bit and we decide, well, God's not doing anything. You know, nothing's happening and we just 
bring it in and figure, hey, if God's not going to do something, I will. Or we tend to worry about something. And after all, worry is the fact that we don't really know how much God loves us and cares about us. Don't beat yourself up and think, I just need to love God more. That's not the reality. The reality is we tend not to realize how much God loves us and cares about us. Or you may have the, the thought where somebody, a woman once told me, listen, somebody's got to worry. Our Father in heaven is unchanging. The God who is and was and is to come, the great I am. He's the same yesterday and today and forever. He is steady. He's unchanging. He's, just, he's a steady moment. And, and there are some men in this auditorium today, and when I watch you, that's, I think of that. You're steady. You just sort of move along. In 1981, I took my dad to a church, Bible-believing church. I was, had only been a Christian for about nine months at the time. My parents had not yet come to Christ. They hadn't experienced his love and forgiveness. And I took my dad to this church. I happened to be on leave before going over to the Philippines on that ship. I was so excited. My dad said, yes, he would go. I was going to take my parents out to eat after the service. And it wasn't such a good service, I guess. Instead of being a service of hope, it was more of one of despair. And when we were leaving, my dad looked at me and my dad said, well, if you really didn't like me, you could have just told me. It was not a good thing, folks. I was on the ship two months later in August. I'll never forget it. Mail call came, and I got a letter from my dad. I thought, wow, this is, this is strange. Letter from dad. And he's not happy with me, because remember, I took him to that church, and it wasn't good. My dad opened up the letter like this. I thought you may want to know, because I know you love us. Your mom and I gave our lives to Christ last night. Wow. Well, for the next 20 years, my dad just became a lover of God's word and communicating with God. He wasn't doing so well, and this was after we had come back. It was 20 years later in 2001, and uh, he's in a hospital, and my dad said, I need to go home. I want to go home. And I said, Dad, what can be so important at home? My dad looked at me, and my dad said, my list of junior high and se senior high students is in that binder you gave me, and I've got to be praying for them. The reality was, at that point, he could have read all the words, the names, but that's all he could think of. That's all he could think of. I think I saw my dad being steady in terms of being very gracious. The last words he spoke before he passed away and went to be with the Lord were, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. He went off into his sleep, and I was just there with him at the time, and he went to be with Jesus. James chapter 1, verse 17, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. God's not moody. You ever think about that? We can get moody and sort of change our disposition a little bit. God doesn't get moody. He's not double-minded, and he never has an oopsie moment. Something you've said or something you've done, and you wanted to say oopsie, but it 
maybe wasn't the time to, to say that. Because we are imperfect, we often have to make changes in our life and allow God to make those changes, but God doesn't need to change. He is who he is, and he will always be. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13, if we are faithless, he will remain faithful. Could you read that with me? If we are faithless, he will remain faithful, for he cannot disown himself. His character is not based on my actions. It's not based on my lack of actions. It's not based on my apathy. It's not based on the moments when I feel as though I'm close to him or when I feel I am very far away from him. He remains faithful. He doesn't change. Our Father in heaven is near. He's not distant. He doesn't function as a spectator, just watching to see how mankind will, will mess up. He's not observing, just saying, oh, I, I knew he, he would mess up, you know? Uh, remember Adam and Eve? They're in the garden. They disobeyed God. And they were going to hide from God. Now, if he was a spectator, he would have just said, those nuts. They can't even do anything right. But instead, they heard the voice of God walking in the garden. He drew near to them. He couldn't change the fact they had disobeyed in sin. But he sure did make a way for forgiveness, didn't he? Sure did. He didn't say, hey, Adam and Eve, you know, you need to get busy and, and do something about this. The Bible says that God made for them clothing out of animal skins. Now, you may say, and I've often wondered, God, how'd you do that? But the same token, I don't know a lot of what God does, so that's no big thing for God. God wants to be near to us. Acts chapter 17, verse 27. Let's read that together, please. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. He desires for us to reach out and to seek him. He knows exactly where we are. He knows exactly what is going on. God the Father, he is approachable. We're told that because of Jesus Christ, we can readily approach the throne of grace. He's approachable. A man I worked with in the Philippines, Dr. Tika, who is also in a way like a, a dad to my uh, wife. Dr. Rabon passed away when uh, my wife was 17 and she was gone to her first year of college and, and Dr. Tika and his family sort of adopted her into their family. But Dr. Tika, as busy as he was, as influential as he was in many ways, he had a policy with his children. At any time, no matter what, if he was in a meeting with a general 
with the vice president of the Philippines or with a taxi driver. They could go into his office and see him. That's pretty approachable. I watched it in action. I'll never forget his son coming in the office one time. We're in a meeting with a couple people, and it's an important meeting. And his son comes running into the office. And he said, Daddy, he said, uh, can I have, he needs some money for something. And his, I thought, I expected Dr. Tika to, like, explode. I really did. I thought, this is going to not be good. Do you know what he did? Oh, enough, or son, I love you. What do you need? I'm watching this take place, and I thought, you got to be kidding. And then his son leaves, and we continued the meeting like nothing happened. He was approachable. Now, I understand you're not always in a situation where your children can do that. If I'm ever in surgery, <laughs> a paramedic's doing CPR on me. Oh, honey, okay, sure. You know, uh, we're not always in those situations, but God certainly is approachable. Psalm chapter 145, verse 18. Let's read that together. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. We can call him Abba Father. We can call him Daddy. We can receive those hugs from a loving father. You know what's amazing about God the Father? He wants us to come close to him like that. He wants us to be able to just say daddy to him. He doesn't want all the formalities, so by the time we get through with the formality, we don't even know what we're there for to begin with. He wants to love us up. He wants to give us those hugs and those tough moments of life where life doesn't make sense. I don't know how God does it. I just have watched it in my life, and I know you have in yours too, where you don't know how to explain God's goodness. You just experienced it. I call those hugs from God. He's available. We live in a busy world, and we're oftentimes overwhelmed. He's, he's never too busy, and by the way, God's never overwhelmed. No matter how complicated this world becomes, God's never overwhelmed by it. He's like, wow, I knew that was going to happen. Last week, I had to make a phone call about something, and it's one of those phone calls where you have, like, you go through a list of 10 options, but 10 options along the way, okay? If, if you're, you're speaking uh, Hebrew, press 1. If you're speaking Greek, press 2. If you don't know what you're speaking, press 3. Uh, you know, and I got through these 10 options, and it one after another, give this, give this. Finally, I thought, this is it. I'm going to speak to somebody. Guess what the message was? I'm sorry, our office is currently closed. <laughs> Please call back tomorrow between the hours of... I thought, why didn't they just tell me that in the first place? But we sometimes go through life like that. Well, when I call out to God... God doesn't say, not Al again. And then he chooses not to pick up, so to speak. You ever make a phone call and people aren't answering? You're thinking, do they, are they looking at the caller ID? Do you know what I mean? Do they realize it's me and they won't pick up? We used to have a, uh, 
a woman in our Sweeties, and uh, she used a car house, and she would say this, is this 724348312929? Al, I know you're there. You better pick up. <laughs> the funny part was, we didn't, we always pick up. We didn't, we don't look at the caller ID first and decide if we're going to pick up or not, but she'd go through this whole routine. So we'd get these messages, and it was so funny. And she probably didn't think it was so funny, but uh, God is available. He's also understanding. Have you ever been told you don't understand? I know for your da you dads here and with daughters, a lot of times, you know, dad, you don't understand. I'm trying. It may not seem like it. I want to understand. But God always understands. Psalm chapter 34, verse 18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. The Father knows what we are facing, feeling, and failing. He doesn't avoid us. He embraces us. Sometimes it may mean a, a listening ear, a heartfelt hug, and just being there, Dad. Life is messy, and life is sometimes painful. But God heals. And by the way, all of us here today are all broken in one way or another. And we're all in need of mending. Our Father in Heaven is able. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were about to be thrown into the fiery furnace. And they said, our God is able to deliver us. But if he does not, he's still our God. Daniel found himself in the lion's den. He survived the night. God was able. It, it's oftentimes experiencing God's hand and power in those tough moments. Luke chapter 1, verse 37. Let's read that together. For nothing is impossible with God. Nothing. Remember, we put the limitations on it. God doesn't. We decide oftentimes what God is able to do and what he's not able to do. And please understand something. I'm not here today letting you know that, listen, whatever you believe and, and speak, it'll come to pass. I'm not. Because I also recognize that God is sovereign. He's completely in control. And he always knows best. The Father really does no best. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, and let's read that together, please. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. Can you imagine that? Immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. Wow. That's the super dad. Oftentimes when children are young, they think their fathers can do anything, lift anything, and they know everything. And then by the time they're three, usually they recognize that they're, no, it's not usually three, but you know where I'm going with that. There's a time when all of a sudden a child realizes, Dad, I thought you could. And then it's like, and you don't know, you know, and you're not able to. We sang that song, Mighty to Save All My Fears and Failures.
Probably all of us in here today have some fears and failures. But God's able to move those mountains. Remembering Jesus did conquer the grave. He is mighty to save. I don't know where you're at today spiritually. You may be like my dad was in 1981. Hopefully the service has been a little bit better. But you haven't come into that relationship yet with a loving father. God wants you to be a part of his family. None of us will ever be able to do enough wrong to be beyond his forgiveness. John chapter 1 verse 12 tells us, But as many as received him, to them gave he the power and the right to become the children of God. It's by adoption. You know what's marvelous about adoption? In childbirth, you don't get any choice in the child you're getting. In adoption, there's some choice. And God says, I choose you. But unlike adopting a child, a little baby, that child gets a choice too. God will not force you into his family, but he wants you to be a part of his family. When Jesus Christ went to the cross, it wasn't because he had to, although in some respects he did, to fulfill all that God had prophesied, but he wanted to. He wanted to reach out to me and you with his love. If you're here today and you've never come into a relationship with the Father before, I encourage you today to transfer your trust from all you're able to do onto the one who's able to do all things. Maybe you're here today and maybe there's some other action steps you need to take. It's okay to apologize, to simply say, I'm, I'm sorry. Maybe you need to go back to a son or a daughter. Say, hey, I'm, I'm sorry. If you haven't done that before, I encourage you to let it be a practice. So it's a tough thing. None of us like to say, I was wrong. What's that word? <laughs> you know, uh, wrong. But it's okay to do. You remember, God never has to say, I'm sorry to us, because he doesn't make any mistakes. But I certainly do. You may need to forgive. I will forgive you. And this is something, it may not be that you have to necessarily go to that person. It may just have to be something you lay your heart before God and say, God, help me by your grace to forgive them, not to be held bondage by it. By all accounts, be willing to move forward. By God's grace, I will not remain the same. Remember, I mentioned moments ago that we're all broken in need of mending. And because of that, all of us need to, by God's grace, not to be the same. I don't know where you are today in your life. I don't know what snippets maybe God has tugged on your heart. But I encourage you today, talk to God about it. 
Let's all stand, please. And this morning is you're standing, I, I want to invite you to maybe use one of those action steps. Talk to God about it. See what he has for you. If you're here today and you've never invited Jesus Christ into your life, I encourage you to do that. Talk, talk to one of us. You know, grab somebody. Maybe there's somebody with you just to them about it. Jesus Christ loves you in an incredible way. He wants to be the one who not only saves you, but also keeps you and takes you through. There's something you just need to come up front this morning and, and talk to God about. We invite you to do that. It's a song is sung.